1: See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely. Positively. FedEx.
2: Welcome to CBS Audio's ION Veterans. I'm your host, Phil Briggs. I'm a Navy veteran, and every week I get a chance to look at the issues of the day through the eyes of my fellow military vets. This is the news and stories about the veteran lifestyle. This is Eye on Veterans. Now it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and that seems like an easily forgettable theme. Like one of those feel-good moments on the evening news, or some fleeting post that's shared on social media. That is, until it affects you or someone you love. And that actually happened to me recently, and a friend of mine, Matt Saint-Singh. He's a former army intel guy that served with 101st Airborne, and he's got a big brain, big beard, and a super witty, ball-busting sense of humor that made him a blast to have on the show, and he was a frequent guest on the podcast. But when he recently shared openly on Facebook about his personal journey with bipolar, I knew I had to call him and hear the real story. Cool. Let me have you say uh, your name and count to five.
3: Matt Saintsing, one, two, three, four, five.
2: All right. You ever noticed literally nothing about the way I do this has changed since we worked together in the studio?
3: <laughs> no no I, I, I absolutely nothing has changed. Um you have me do the, the countdown and make sure my levels are right and I feel like just feels like uh old times.
2: And then also throw in like five minutes of like banter about nothing related to the interview that we're supposed to be doing. It's like talking about the people we work with or who's really pissed us <laughs> off that week. Yeah,
3: who, who deserves what and who's not pulling weight and stuff like that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think that was the setup right there. I don't even think I need a first sentence anymore. But uh, Matt Saintsing, journalist and former colleague of mine at ConnectingVets.com. How are you, brother?
3: I'm doing well. Friend of the show, Matt Saintsing.
2: Friend of the show. Yeah, I always <laughs> used to say friend of the show. Good to have you back. Great to be talking to you. Now, we're talking, of course, because you are, you know, a man of many talents and you know many things about military, about veterans, about pineapples.
3: No, I feel like unless you want me to hijack this podcast segment for, you know, I can talk at length about the fascinating plant that is the pineapple.
2: (laughs) And I kid you not. I mean, I will tweet out this week uh, the link to your pineapple video. It is delightfully embarrassing oh good i I love it it it,
3: no it is embarrassing it is um (laughs) honestly you know it um i kind of love it you know it 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 represents a time in my life where i was kind of figuring out you know
2: and what man doesn't look dapper in a pineapple suit
3: I I still have it hanging in my closet yeah
2: <laughs> but I digress although you did say something there that's very on point uh, trying to figure some things out you know I wanted to reach out to you man because we did do a lot of that we did drink a lot of beers we did talk a lot at great length about the veteran issues about what it means uh, we were both kind of on the front lines of covering things that are oftentimes mental health related and I wanted to thank you and I wanted to have you in the guest chair this week to not only talk about um, our time together, but about this Facebook post that really opened up something and a dialogue that I think is so important to have among friends. And would you mind if I read some of it? No, please go ahead. Yeah, ma'am. You wrote, I don't talk a lot about it publicly, but in 2019, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Uh, We think my family member's death may have triggered it, but I suspect it's been operating in the background for some time. And if I'm honest with myself, uh, this article that you were sharing encapsulates quite accurately how I experience this mental illness. And um, I'll stop right there. But without getting into the article specifically, share with me a little bit about what motivated that post and you know, a little bit about what that article you shared talked about.
3: Yeah. So I read the article a few weeks before I made the Facebook status. And this is like the first time that I kind of, you know, told anyone outside of my tight knit, you know, friend and family circle that I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, you know, a mental health disease. It's a, it's a genetic thing. Uh, It runs in my family and, you know, uh, as you know phil you know 2019 was a particularly hard year for me i happened to have lost my uh, father and my sister 6 months apart and both were very unexpected so i was just thrown into a tailspin of of grief and you know not really knowing how to um take the next step if you will. Right. And I just noticed some changes in me. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about bipolar. Uh, if, uh, if, if you want, Phil,
2: Oh yeah, no, please. Because I remember being, you know, on the phone with you several times, um, you know, as I heard about the events in your life and I too yeah. lost my brother last year. So it was, it was, yeah. really it was really close to me, you know, how you were dealing with this and how you were coping with it because, um, loss, it comes with a hangover that is, really harsh and really unique to each individual that's experiencing it
3: yeah so i mean we mentioned grief and i think it's interesting because grief is something that touches all of us eventually right every every person under the sun is going to experience loss of some sort but it's also a very unique thing and what works for one person might not work for others but for me what i really noticed was you know these like mood cycles that would last you know uh, 10 days or longer, where I would be super motivated, super passionate about projects, want to do, you know, 40 different things, talking a mile a minute, not, you know, sleeping that well, because I'm just so motivated. And, you know, I'm doing a lot of writing, I'm doing a lot of organizing, I'm doing a lot of laying groundwork for future passion projects, if you will. Uh, and then, like, you know, a 10 days, two weeks later, I will just I I fell into just like a pit of despair, just wallowing in depression. And when I say I was depressed, I want to make a clear distinction. You know, um, we all get sad in our, in our lives. We all get down about some things, but when I say I was depressed, I mean, I I couldn't leave the couch. You know, it it was a big deal for me to go grocery shopping, right. To be even to be, to be motivated to, to leave the house, to engage uh, with my relationship or with, you know, people in my life, you know, um, being reclusive. And then, so that would last for another 10 days, two weeks. And then after that, I would kind of drop back down to baseline and I would be the regular, you know, hilarious, wacky, funny Matt that you all, we all know and love. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, and then, and, and then again, I would just tick back into these highs and lows. Um, and it happened for a few months. I just noticed these cycles. And then that's when I kind of just, You know, checked in with myself and said, I think I might need some help. Um, And I asked for it and learned about this mental illness that I'm living with called bipolar disorder.
2: Wow. And you know what? I've known people, and in fact, even after the loss of my father, have been similarly with you on those moments where I just felt like I couldn't get off the couch. The world just did not seem right. I felt like I was living in a gray cloud of gloominess. Yeah. And no matter what I did, no matter what, what, you know, whether I was watching the funniest movie or whether or not I was doing something I really enjoyed, I just couldn't get, I just couldn't find pleasure. I could not find my smile. I could not find my, my mojo. And I just wanted to sit on a couch. But what you're saying with bipolar is like, that's not like a reaction kind of thing to just one event and then it's over it's recurring
3: every few weeks yes absolutely this was going on for months and you know um i would notice it because you know my girlfriend would say wow you're really talking a mile a minute and i'd be like oh am i and then i would say wow i'm like my thoughts are racing you know and, and when i say highs and lows you know the highs are just that they call them highs right it's i mean it's awesome right? It, 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 I feel like that I've, you know, never been funnier, feel like that I'm able to <laughs> accomplish things. I feel like I'm 10 feet tall sometimes. I feel like I'm I'm invincible, right? But that also can just fall back into, if you're feeling invincible, you know, you might do things that can seriously hurt you. And that's actually one of the um, telltale signs of bipolar is putting yourself in risky situations just because you feel like you're invincible because you're on this high, right? And so that that is like another facet of this that I think I'm still kind of figuring out with with myself.
2: Mm. And then, of course, there's the lows that we just spoke of. Uh, You also spoke in your post about there being shame surrounding bipolarity, um, even calling it uh, a disorder that comes with baggage. Yeah. Uh, Share with me how long you knew about this before you told anybody, because you're saying that while we were even working together, you were dealing with this.
3: Yeah, I think I was dealing with it. I think I definitely didn't know what was going on right i just noticed for me it would be like you know oh i'm i'm, I'm doing super well at work or the, and then like a few weeks later oh you know i feel like i'm not doing that great that's how i kind of experienced it and i found out that really is that really was bipolar disorder kind of peeking its way in and when my family members passed away you know that just really i think it just like kicked it into high gear right and it really started going it became way more noticeable
2: we'll take a quick break and be back with more from Army veteran Matt Saintsing and his journey with beers and bipolar. Welcome back to CBS, Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy veteran Phil Briggs, and we'll jump back into my conversation now with my former colleague and Army veteran Matt Saintsing. Matt was one of my fellow reporters at connectingvets.com, and we discussed everything you can imagine. But the one thing we never discussed is something that I saw him open up about on Facebook. And that's his journey with bipolar disorder, which, while we worked together, neither one of us knew he had. You also mentioned about, like, shame, that it's a disorder that oh, comes yeah. with
3: baggage. You know, it's called bipolar disorder, right? So even the word disorder for me is kind of like, oh, I don't feel disorderly. You know, I'm like, I, it's. It is a mental illness, and I, I, I've had to grapple with that and say, "Look, this is a mental illness that I have, and that three million Americans have." By the way, you know, um, and so, you know, I felt shame just because it's a mental illness, and I think there's so much shame around mental illnesses. Whether you're talking about, you know, PTSD, bipolar disorder, schizophrenia, you know, a- a- anything else that kind of uh, uh, impacts your psyche, you know, it, it, it's hard to to get around you're feeling like a moral failure because it affects your behavior, right? And unlike a broken leg, you know, if I went on if I went skiing and broke my leg because I don't know what the hell I'm doing on the slopes, right? And I wasn't allowed, to, you know, to, I wasn't going to be active for the next few more months. That's a change in my behavior, right? But it's brought on physically and it's something that I know about. And it's something that's noticeable. When something's affecting my behavior that you can't see or feel. And there's really times not super tangible. That just comes with shame. You're like, oh, I I shouldn't be feeling this way. Why do I feel this way? And the answer is, well, with bipolar disorder, you feel this way because the chemicals in your brain, something's awry, right? You either have too much serotonin with your highs or you don't have enough with your lows, right? But you can't see that with your naked eye. You have to go to, doctors. In my case, I went to a psychiatrist who was able to diagnose it pretty quickly. Um, But it's actually really super hard to to diagnose. And I think kind of grappling with that over, you know, period of months uh, and maybe a year, you know, um, really, really made it so I had to, you know, figure this out on my own. And I think it's something everyone has to do when they are touched by mental illness in their lives.
2: And I'm so glad you brought up this stat about how prevalent it is, because that's the whole reason I wanted you on the show. Um, Not only are you one of my bros, not only are you a fellow journalist that I've worked with very closely and shared all kinds Mm -hmm. of deep, honest conversations about stuff, but... You know, we've probably even laughed over some comment that's one of us made where we said, "Ain't no shame in my game," but like when you put it in the context <laughs> of mental illness, yeah, you do feel uh, you know reluctant to share that with anybody, and we should yep. not feel reluctant. We should feel open, honest, liberated to be able to say, "Yeah, this is me. I mean, I'll share with you all kinds of things about my medical history." I but for some reason when it's about the mind, we don't want to talk about it. It it really should be just like, it should be like colorblindness. It should be like, okay, I can't see reds and greens as well as you can. Who cares? I mean, we're I deal with it. Christmas isn't as happy yeah. for me. <laughs> I mean, we're, you deal with you yours. Fun.
3: That's <laughs> funny. Yeah. Um, no, I think you're absolutely right is, you know, uh, this will be something that I'll have to, they'll be with me for the rest of my life, right? It's something that I have to manage actively and, you know, I think beforehand when I first started noticing these changes, I kind of, for me, I was like, well, I'll I'll put it on the back burner. I'm, you know, I'm fine. I'm able to manage this on my own. And then it got to a point where I just couldn't, where it was affecting, you know, my work, it was affecting uh, other parts of my life. And that's when I kind of just needed to take a step back and, you know, take a big breath, swallow your pride, and then go ask for help. Um, And that's, that's like the hardest thing, right? So, you know, Whoever, you know, wherever people are at on their mental health journey, and we all have one, whether we realize it or not, um, I think getting to the point where you are making an appointment or just talking to someone about it, I think is a huge first step. And that really shouldn't be understated, right? It is, you know, um, it, it is just a Herculean task sometimes to be like, I'm having problems with my mind in my mental headspace, and I want help. And and then and then the, the work starts after that, right? It, yeah. The first step is saying you want help, and then you have to implement the plan and keep up with it. So it's just, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, it can be challenging, but I think it's well worth it in the long run.
2: Mm-hmm. First step, the most important, the most important, and always the hardest. Uh, let's chat a little bit about what that next next step was. All right, so you and I have covered the combat cocktail at great length. We've heard oh, about yeah. the serotonin uptake inhibitors. We've heard about the benzodiazepines. We've all known vets that were just given like, you know, a list of pharma a list of drugs as long as your arm, and there was one to sleep, one to eat, one to walk, one to talk.
3: Yeah, I, yeah.
2: I know that you're not down with that, and I know that you also, you know, enjoy the organics or like, you know, would rather treat something more organically. Um, Yeah. What did they do? What do you get for bipolar? Are you on a ton of drugs now or like, how do they treat it?
3: Yeah. So I'll kind of walk through how this happened with me is I first... I noticed, I thought I had bipolar um, before I was diagnosed. I, I, was, I was looking into it. I know it runs in my family. I know it's a, gen, it's a genetic, uh, it can carry through your family. So I was reading a lot about it and I was like, God, I really, I really think I have it. So my first step was I I called the Department of Veteran Affairs Medical Center here in Washington, D.C., and I tried to make an appointment with a psychiatrist. And then I kind of just ran into the bureaucratic red tape that veterans all know and love and love to complain about, right, and rightly so. Um, You know, I I tried to see a psychiatrist right away. I couldn't. I had to see a primary care doctor first. That that appointment was more than a month away. In the meantime, I was like, you know, what, what else? what else is there? Right. I, um, you know, I'm a veteran. I, I have, I collect uh, some percentage of disability from the VA. And so I really thought that, you know, I'm enrolled in VA care. I might as well use this, this infrastructure that's really here for me and here for for all veterans. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it just took me a while to get into it. And I was just like, I was really pissed to be honest. Um, but then I learned something about the vet center. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've heard of this, Phil, but it's, uh, it's like another facility that's associated with the VA. They're all over the country. And they're counselors, right? They're, they're, not, they're not doctors. They're not psychiatrists. They can't prescribe anything. But I really just got set up with a really, really great counselor. And so for the first few months, um, before I even went to the psychiatrist, I was getting some counseling. And I um, kind of engaged in talk therapy and also um, just how to figure out how to handle my grief. And I think that just, you know, I, I put in the work, and it was hard work but it is just paid dividends in, you know, how I think about, you know, my grief and going forward. But to answer your question, um, I am on some medicine now, and I know I've definitely, I've definitely written critically about the combat cocktail, and I'll, I would say that I am not on that, right? Um, and, and I think the VA is going away from that, which I think is a great thing. But what's, what's good about about my medicine is, you know, again, I have a psychiatrist, through the VA and she is awesome and I feel like I'm in control 100% of the time. It's not, they're not throwing pills at me every time, you know, when they wanted to start me on a, on a, a medicine, um, I first was like very against it. I was like, look, I don't know if I need this. I don't want to take something that's going to change who I am because I like who I am. And, and at least uh, some other people do too. And I I wouldn't (laughs) want to fall into like the zombification that I've just seen, you know, peers do when they get medicated from the VA and Again, I, I have an excellent psychiatrist. She we talk about the side effects. We talk about the benefits and the costs. And then ultimately, I pull the trigger. It, it's my decision. Um, and and you know, so yeah, I, I do take medicine daily for it. But you know, as you can see now, I'm still the same old me. It's just it just keeps me a little more even and it keeps me a little more t- to baseline. Um, but actually, treating bipolar disorder is really difficult. You know, again, only three million Americans have it. And the medicines that I'm on, I'm on two right now, and the ones they are, one is, one is an antipsychotic. And so even taking that came, again, talk about coming with baggage, I'm like, look, I don't think I have psychosis. I definitely don't have psychosis, you know, but it's FDA approved for bipolar disorder. And I think that is, again, that comes with some of the shame is there's very little out there that is only for bipolar disorder. And what they found is there are other medicines that work for other mental illnesses that also are good for bipolar disorder. So it's kind of like a byproduct, if you will, right? Mm. So that's kind of, that's like another layer, uh, but I feel fully in control. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I'm able to stop and start whenever I want. And and for me personally, it does help, but I totally recognize it is a uh, individual choice and, you know, no one should be pressured in it either way. And if you have a really good doctor or psychiatrist, they should be able to have this conversation with you.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, I'm just glad to hear it's not the combat cocktail. Welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, and in this last segment, we're going to jump back into my conversation about dealing with being bipolar and drinking beer. With my beer-drinking friend, Army veteran and former ConnectingVets.com journalist, Mr. Matt Saint-Sink. We'll pick back up at the part of the interview where we're talking about the meds that he takes on his bipolar journey.
3: I'm glad that it doesn't zonk me out, right? It just kind of, it tunes me to the right frequency. Is how I would put it. Hmm. <clears throat> I like that. Very cool. Um, but you did, But look, you did mention you did mention organics, and so I think, um, I yeah. think we're just talking... I think we're kind of inching towards other stuff. And I will say that, you know, I live in Washington, D.C. It is, you know, legal to possess and to have uh, marijuana and cannabis. And I would say that cannabis has helped me in the insomnia realm. And actually, you know, um, bipolar disorder, sleep is one of the most important things you can do to treat your bipolar disorder. But it also has, you know, bipolar disorder also comes with insomnia. And so I have just found that cannabis, it works for me for sleep and it, you know, it, it, it's what I use. My doctor knows about it. It's all, it's completely on the up and up. And so if that works for other people too, I would definitely encourage people to look into that Um, only if they want to, of course, but I think that's another layer to the mental health discussion for sure.
2: And this is why I love you. This is why I know you're my bro. Cause I didn't even have to ask the question. We, we just got there. Cause you knew what I was getting ready to ask. Um, talk to me about <laughs> what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of strains are we working with here, man? Are we talking like high CBD, low THC? Or are we like THC? And like, you know, we want some of like, I don't know, like Snoop Dogg's Afghan Kush. I mean, like what
3: kind of- <laughs> you know, funny you should mention that. I would say that I have had Wiz Khalifa's OG Kush. Um, very well done. Uh, uh, compliments to the chef on that one. Uh, no, I think um, uh, I think CBD does help. I think, you know, I, I, I prefer THC, right? I think a lot of people do. Um, but, you know, I, I, I like... You know, when you're talking about different strains, I think, you know, indica, the way you remember that one is indica in the couch, right? So that's like nighttime sleep time weed. Uh, and then like sativas, I think really do help with like, uh, you know, cerebral thoughts It kind of puts you, it elevates your mood. And if you want to act creative, if you want to, you know, uh, do something stimulating and you want to, you know, have some of this medicine, uh, sativa is the way to go. But I, I think because I use it for sleep, I've been leaning towards the, the Indica side for sure.
2: <laughs> indica <the> couch.
3: <laughs> it's, yep. That's, that, that's, that's how I remember it. Yeah. That's awesome.
2: Now let's also talk about another thing that we have both found real enjoyment from and that you have a passion for. And I'm curious, can you still drink beer while you're on this May medical I- regimen?
3: Funny you should ask that. Yes, I can. And I'll be honest, like if, if it came toward if, if it came down to my doctor saying, look, you have to stop drinking beer or you have to like stop taking your bipolar bipolar medicine, I think I would have to make a hard decision. I'm not sure which side I would fall <laughs> down. Right. But no, um, what, what I'm taking now, I absolutely can um, take uh, I can drink beer. But there's a funny story about this is, um, you know, one of the medicines I take, you just can't take with grapefruit juice, right? Grapefruit, the molecule somehow binds with the medicine and actually increases the medicine in your system. So if you're only taking a little bit of it, if you take grapefruit juice, it's like, you're taking a lot of it. And it can really mess you up. And so for a few weeks now, I have had a grapefruit IPA that's been burning a hole in my fridge that I just can't have because I don't, I'm not trying to mess with, with, with that stuff, but I really like, you know, I like fruity IPAs. I'm a, I'm a big beer nerd, as you know. Um, and it's just like, I have two in there, two of them in there sitting in there and I'm just every time I open the fridge it's like teasing me pisses me off
2: <laughs> hey buddy we're over here your old friend pineapple remember me
3: <laughs> I know I know yeah well I the good news is I definitely can have pineapple so that's the it's not always lost
2: oh that's good that's good um that you know I am glad I asked because I know that that's a lot of uh, you know that's how a lot of people are coping before they go for a diagnosis before they even consider any medication Um,
3: yeah, you know, they'll self-medicate. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Folks are getting deeps in the, I mean, folks are getting deep in the cups and that's, that's not always healthy. Did you find that your drinking decreased when you started the, you know, the meds?
3: Uh, I don't think so. I think, I think I kept, I think I kept it at the same level, but I would say that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not typically a big, a big drinker. Um, if, if I have three a day or if I have three in one setting, it's a lot for me. Oftentimes I'll just have one or two. Um, So I wouldn't say that I was self-medicating with alcohol, but it definitely, you know, I mean, again, we all know people that have, have fallen into that trap before. Um, But I've, I've I've been able to keep it um, in check and I've been able to, to keep it okay. And of course during the pandemic, you know, bars haven't been open. So I've just gotten creative in the kitchen with cocktails, you know, throughout the past year.
2: (laughs) Your creativity did not suffer, I'm
3: sure, Matt. I love it, brother. <laughs> not, not at all. Or, yeah, Especially if I combine a sativa with it, yeah.
2: I love it. <laughs> um, are there any other side effects to any of your medical regimen you're on now? I'm referring to um, Essuel side effects.
3: Oh, you know, um, no. there, uh, There is not, thankfully, right? Um, the, Life the, is the, still the, good? yeah um no problem there uh thanks for asking no, <laughs> no yeah it, it, it is true and again this is something that was one of the first questions i had when they started putting me on on a new medicine i was like well tell me about how this is going to affect the hours of 12 and 4 a.m right <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know but um you know no issues there for anyone curious uh but um <laughs> thanks for bringing that up yeah. <laughs>
2: i'm glad for your sake that there are still you know eight minutes of glory in your life that you can experience
3: (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean you you think highly more highly of me than 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 most people if you think that then
2: (laughs) great stuff uh last question is uh what's a really good beer you've had lately man turn me on to something that i need to uh you know know about for the summer and that was a horrible segue Now that i think about it we just went from that side effects question to turn me on um you know yeah right yeah
3: (laughs) No, I feel like, um, well, I just had, uh, you know, so I'm a seasonal beer drinker. Right? During the winter, I really like stouts and porters, dark beers. Now the, the spring is in the air and the weather's warming up. You know, I love a good full-flavored IPA, uh, a fruity IPA, nothing too bitter. You know, something around 65 70 IBUs, which are international bittering units, how to measure beer bitterness, uh, is is my sweet spot. Um, One that I've had recently was uh, called Namaste White from Dogfish Head over in Delaware. Great brewery, you know, uh, nearly everything they do, I love. Uh, And it's like a Belgian white beer and has, you know, lemon peel, coriander. Uh, It's full-flavored, but it's still light enough for you to crush outside on a a gorgeous 80-degree day.
2: Nice. What was that again? Namaste...
3: Namaste, white. Yeah, like Namaste is in the yoga, and then white is in the color. Yeah,
2: right on, man. All right, something good for the mind, something good for the soul, and something good for the palate. Matt Saint Singh, brother, always great to have you on. One of my favorite army veterans of all time, dude. I can't thank you enough as a friend of yours for sharing with me this incredibly powerful story. Uh, I I know it's going to influence people listening and tip of the cap to you bro I'm so glad you did this because we're in this life together and the more we know about each other you know the better we all get along
3: absolutely thanks for reaching out about this and thanks for shining a light on this important issue I think the more we talk about it the less scary it gets
0: Hey, Prime members! You can listen to Ion Veterans ad free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com/survey. Are you ready for an all-new season of Survivor? You better be, because Survivor 46 is here, and it's 90 minutes of twists and turns you don't want to miss
1: what it takes to outwit, outplay, and outlast. And to ask Jeff some questions, because even after 26 days out there, there is still a lot for me to uncover.
0: Bring it, D. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast.
1: It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Millie Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon